everyone. Happy Wednesday. Okay, happy Wednesday indeed. Trading is closed and it's uh, time for another taking stock. Um, this week we're going to be diving into the SEC bulletin uh, about uh, different forms of holding. Um, oh God, of all the tabs I have open, that's the one that I don't have open. Here we go. Holding your securities. Get the facts. So uh, before we dive in, um, I don't know if we've got any updates this week. Um, I think just from my end, uh, I mean, I've been working some more on some projects for the site. Um, But also we've done a new logo for taking stocks and that's updated it's on the link trees and everything like that hopefully we'll get it on the lemmy uh updated as well soon uh i'm just going to share a couple of links in the nest i love our new logo i think you did a really great job on that we've got purple we've got blue uh we've got some fun fonts uh, and a gigantic circle showing, you know, that 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 ring of ownership. I uh, think it's really evocative. Excited about that one. Other quick numerical updates. Uh, the uh, database continuing to work on that investor relations portion of the platform, and we're at about thirty-one and a half percent complete there, with another twenty percent or so that has been submitted, but just needs to be audited. So that's uh, an exciting thing to think that we're you know just a bit of clerical work away from being halfway through that massive data state, database achievement and milestone. Um, and then I also just wanted to shout out that we are at uh, about nine hundred and forty. Um, local members on the Lemmy instance. So closing in quick on four digits, that's an exciting thought as well. Yeah, Lemmy seems to be coming along nicely. Um, I don't know if anyone else has checked it out. I downloaded Boost for Lemmy uh, quite recently because now it's actually available. Uh, it's not just a wait list anymore. And um, it's, I think, by far one of the best apps I've used. Um on on my android device anyway um like it's got so much customization features and yeah it looks just like reddit pretty much um but with a little lemmy twist of there being no adverts and no random communities being shoved down your throat uh so yeah i'm i'm enjoying it um but uh i think yeah if that's it for our updates for this week we can dive straight into the meat of things um so if i post up the link in the nest as well and it will be in the show notes afterwards uh if anyone's listening on any podcast networks um so we've got uh the sec bulletin and the FIMRA bulletin um it's basically it's the same thing. The FINRA were clearly copying the SEC's homework, and uh, they just released the same thing. But um, this is uh, like a fairly historic update. Um, they haven't touched this uh, bulletin in in twenty years. The last update was in twenty twenty uh, two thousand and three. Sorry, and um, 
Yeah, I, I, it seems that synths are kind of advocating for DRS and apes getting loud about DRS. Uh, the SEC is deemed fit to update uh, this one page that they have about it. Um, so if uh, you've got the page open in front, uh, you can read along with us or follow along with us. Uh, but if not, then we'll, we'll read out some key bits as we go. Uh, so you're not uh, following blind. Um uh, and yeah, there. I mean, it's a mixed bag. This this bulletin. Um, there are obviously uh, lots of things to, to groan about, but there are also lots of things to celebrate and applaud. There's some very interesting things right at the very bottom of this uh, bulletin about uh, crypto assets, which certainly wasn't there before in 2003. They weren't deigning to take take any notice of crypto back then. I don't think. Um, so I'd love to, as we hop in, I want to set the stage briefly just about, you know, what is ownership, the concept of, you know, putting your equity into something, holding an asset that itself has some kind of value. When we talk about stocks in the market, you know, that's, of course, regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC that put out this bulletin uh, in July. And what's fascinating here for me is that they had not updated this particular page, as you've said, in two decades. And so what is uh, nothing really specifically about the options for investors to hold their equity, uh, the different securities have changed uh, in terms of what is available to them, but the consciousness of what these things can mean and certainly retail's interest has changed. And so I'm very glad to see this type of direct response coming from uh, a regulatory body. And another thing I just want to mention about that before we hop into more detail is that it is a primary source, something that we can point to as the highest possible authority when it comes to trying to figure out what these different options are for holding, what they mean, and the pros and cons between them. And that's so important uh, to you know set the stage for an educated investor that is going to be able to make their decision in the best way possible. So really appreciate the SEC updating this page and expanding on the uh, you know fairly lax uh, details that they provided on the on the previous version. And I don't think we have it in the nest, but it's popping in my head now. We'll definitely throw the an archive link of the 2003 page in the show notes for those that might want to compare and contrast after the fact. Yeah, I think um, some of us had a look at it a little while ago to see what the differences were, and there, it wasn't huge, but like where there were differences, it was uh, quite important. And I think um, one of the things we can get into later is um, uh, the the structures for holding planned shares, which uh, the bulletin doesn't go into much, but the their one update was like a big clarification for a lot of people. Um, so anyway, without any further ado, we're going to jump into this this first paragraph of the bulletin. Um, and it's basically laying out your kind of three options. You've got street name uh, holding through an intermediary, such as a broker, or registered ownership, which you can have in the form of a physical certificate, or be in book entry, which just means electronic, uh, electronically recorded uh, at the company, also called the issuer, which is like a nice little clarification they throw in if um, it's not clear, like 
because sometimes the word issuer gets thrown around with no context that that just means it's the company. The company issues the shares, they're the issuer. Um, so, yeah, having this kind of physical certificate or book entry form at the company, it's referred to as direct registration. Um, and, and then, yeah, they round out this uh, paragraph by actually clarifying the term book entry simply means you do not re receive a physical representation of ownership, such as a paper certificate. Um, and that is something that's like, I'm glad that they're clarifying because there was a lot of um, confusion over that early on because of the way that transfer agents uh, present portfolios uh, to their clients. So when you log into your transfer agent account and you look at your portfolio, it will tell you you've got uh, plan holdings and book holdings um and the book simply refers to drs holdings but for some reason and this this seems to be across transfer agents they just call it book uh and i guess you know there's a ledger there's some form of book but it, it's kind of muddies the water a little bit especially with a term like book entry flying around where I, they could just say electronically recorded just just to make things clear for the layman but you know where, when it has the finance industry <laughs> being clear on stuff for anyone else's benefit. Absolutely. That, that is such a common and frustrating, you know, uh, semantic distinction, but just to, you know, to completely put the nail on the head and the book entry shares include shares that you have with your transfer agent held in your own name, shares that you have with your broker. It includes any kind of you know, electronic transfer. It's pretty much everything except for a paper certificate that you've got in your safe at home uh, or in your safe to deposit box at the bank. Other than that, we're talking book entry. Um, so it's pretty wide, uh, especially in this in this modern electronic financial world. Yeah, for sure. Like pretty much everything outside of a certificate is, is book entry. So broker shares a book entry. It's I, d I don't know why like why they need to throw it in to clarify so much because half the time the context doesn't even include uh, paper certificates but yeah it's uh, one of those things one of those weird little uh, nuances we've had to learn along the way um, but yeah moving on um, there's this little bit uh, towards the top of the bulletin in bold uh, it is important to note that depending on the type of security and where you purchase it, you may may or may not have access to all these options. So not every company offers direct registration. Um, and a lot of companies now more and more so are not offering physical shares, uh, certificates, um, because ov overall market-wide, the DTCC are just encouraging um, digitization or dematerialization, whatever you want to call it. Um, because at the end of the day, there's a lot less friction when you're trading uh, digital shares versus paper certificates. Uh, it's the whole reason the DTCC was invented, I believe, back in the 70s to try and kind of centralise all this. Uh, but now we're in a fully digital age. It seems, you know, that middleman yeah, that, uh, role right. in all this is less and less necessary. It's a 50-year anniversary this year since the uh, founding in 1973 following a, a great paperwork crisis that, you know, um, kind of took place, well, <laughs> throughout a lot of the 19th century, but uh, got quite bad in the 60s. Uh, there's an article about that on YDRS.org that, that, uh, that we put together for those who want to learn more about that one. But uh, 
Absolutely. There's a lot of lot less friction and the savings are there too. I mean, think about the, you know, you don't have to keep a big warehouse or a safe or a guards person to watch all these paper certificates. Don't have to worry about uh, things getting moldy or replacing them. Um, if you can track electronically, uh, you know, provided there's no abuse, right? And it sounds a lot better. Yeah, they're, they're totally legit. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, moving on to the next bit, um, uh, we continue on with the what the DTCC has to offer, and that is uh, street name registration. Um, and I don't think registration was in this title in the previous version of this bulletin. Uh, I'm not sure if they're including the word registration now to try and make street name seem more, more legitimate, because uh, at the end of the day, you're not registered in the same way that someone directly registered is. You're you're registered on the broker's books, uh, like that you own an entitlement to a share, not even a share itself. Um, and then, you know, the actual owner of that share isn't even the broker either. But we'll get into that now with this uh, lay uh, layout of uh, street name. Um, so... It is uh, it's the form where the majority of investors currently are. Um, they're kind of, you know, brokers are advertised to us day in, day out, uh, and transfer agents are not. So it seems to be the only choice for a lot of people. But, you know, hopefully we'll change that. Um, so, yeah, with street name, I mean, it's this is the meandering logic of it all. They, they say that the securities you purchase are registered on the issuer's books in the name of an intermediary, such as your broker dealer, a clearing agency or a nominee affiliated with the broker dealer or clearing agency. When in reality, as they go on in the next paragraph, uh, they actually the actual registered owner on the issuer's books will be Seed & Co or as people in the industry call them, CD and Co, uh, which is, uh, I think, a more appropriate title, personally. Um, so they like they try and soften the blow by saying, like, oh yeah, this this street name stuff. Uh, it could be the broker. Your broker could totally own the shares, but in reality, the vast majority of the time, they do not. Um, I guess it's possible they do when it comes to segregated accounts, which insiders of companies have. It's um, referred to as direct beneficial ownership, which is kind of an oxymoronic uh, title for something. But uh, that's that's just uh, the, the framework we're dealing with. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's good that they do actually lay out that cd and co are the owners um and historically the the shares registered them were represented by jumbo certificates uh held in a vault so like a it's like a single paper certificate but it represents say a hundred shares or a thousand shares um and this uh kind of stuff is kind of makes it harder for uh reconciling balances when it comes to direct registering uh because when you hit you know um the threshold of where that jumbo certificate's sitting in the dtc vault how are you supposed to withdraw one share out of that single jumbo certificate um i imagine that's that's going to be something very tricky for them if uh, drs really picks up um but i don't know i don't know if there's any way to find out if an issuer has uh, is dealing with jumbo certificates or just dealing with purely electronic shares at this point. Um, 
I wouldn't even know who to ask, <laughs> like the investor relations team or, or the transfer agent, maybe. Um, but yeah, so they um, also go on to say that, uh, yeah, the shares with uh, CD and Co are held in book entry form through direct registration at the transfer agent. So, you know, CD and Co are, are directly registered themselves. Um, and with that, they get the legal ownership of, of the shares and the guaranteed voting rights, which you and your entitlement and your broker do not have such guarantees at all. Um, and hopefully, yeah, with more education, more awareness, more advocacy, people will wake up to this kind of stuff um, because the SEC are kind of spelling it all out, but not really uh, letting you know why you should be concerned about that. Um but yeah, so they go on to talk more about uh, dividends, interest payments. You get all the same stuff with your broker dealer. It's totally fine, except they don't actually mention about how with dividends, you can get unfavorable taxation uh, because if you're being paid that dividend with cash in lieu, um, it's taxed differently. And, you know, um, it's it just can be a minor thing for people with smaller holdings, but it's the kind of stuff that really adds up i think um and it's stuff that investors should you know it shouldn't be uh palmed off to the investors to deal with when it's the brokers uh aren't, that aren't able to meet their obligations but um yeah so next generally, generally uh, oh, yeah. i definitely would want to um you know we'll get to other benefits uh, and pros and cons later but i think what you're speaking to is you know one idea where if you're sort of a longer term holder, you're interested in just sitting on an investment for a long period of time, that's definitely a situation where DRS makes the most sense kind of from an objective perspective, because the main benefits that the SEC recognizes here in this uh, bulletin or street name are more focused on the short term uh, you know, trading in the market on a day to day basis. For example, they'll mention how you know uh, you want it might want to place limit orders uh, directly to sell or buy at specific prices uh, multiple times during a day or to operate on margin. And these different options are not possible unless you're going through uh, the you know central depository system and through the broker dealers. So, you know, it definitely depends on what you're looking for, but yeah, absolutely. If you're looking just to sit back and receive dividends, you're not trying to uh, leverage your position in any other way, then uh, DRS makes sense, and you can receive beneficial tax, um, you know, options for your dividends should you receive them in that way. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's all about that choice. I mean, yeah, I don't begrudge anyone using brokers if that's what they're after. If they're trying to do more, uh, well, more trading, faster trading, uh, day trading, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of the time when we're advertised these brokers, it's kind of being lured in with like, yeah, you want to invest in a company you love and you want to hold that stock for like 10 years and all this kind of long term holding um, uh, kind of rhetoric. And then uh, like you you then buy and hold those positions in, the, in your broker and then the broker's like, sweet, this is some lovely liquidity I can help myself to now. Uh, and it's yeah, it's a very one sided um transaction in my opinion for for long-term holders um 
but yeah so moving on to our next section um because we'll, we'll just skip the considerations for holding a street name because it's just a breakdown of what we've talked through uh and then highlights of that but yeah so the next section is physical certificates uh and this is a short and sweet section it's kind of um a very simplistic a little archaic way of holding your shares um it's also got some more nuances to it than uh, that we're still learning about really um because the way they describe it here uh the this physical certificate is a representation of uh your ownership of that share um but at the same time you can enroll certificated shares into um various plans um so it, when it comes to plan holdings that can get a bit tricky in terms of um who's holding it uh like it may be that the transfer agents um subsidiary uh, um yeah um i'm trying to think of another word to call them but i'm blanking so yeah let's stick with subsidiary um they they manage maintain the plan pool um so you can have a physical certificate while someone else is uh managing and maintaining and holding it on your behalf um but yeah so just i, I back from that tangent um physical certificates uh like whilst they're fantastic in terms of uh proving ownership uh there are several risks associated in terms of you can lose them they can be damaged they can be stolen um, and there are fees involved with issuing them or getting replacements sent out. It's um, definitely clunky uh, and has a lot of friction compared to things. But again, if, you, if you're looking to hold things for a long time, um, there is something about um, being able to hold something tangibly in your hands and knowing that you own it. And I, I feel like I had a very similar experience when I first directly registered my shares. Like when the first shares landed in, it's like, Oh, this is actually mine. Like this is, this definitely feels different to holding with a broker before, like with the broker, it's all just numbers and um, values and what things and measures, whatever, whatever that phrase is. Um, but once you're in direct registration, you know you own that, and and with that comes a sense of like uh, I don't know, almost responsibility, um, because uh, if you're if you're planning to hold something long term, you really believe in it, um, and you want to protect that for sure. It's it's a lot of our futures and our retirements. So um, anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the kind of main considerations, um, with physical certificates is that the, the kind of entitlement to physical security certificates is a matter of state, not federal law. So this means that I guess, depending where, um, the, where you live and when the company, uh, is registered, it, it can, uh, have an impact, um, so not every broker dealer will accept physical certificates uh if you want to sell it for example uh or just put it into your brokerage account um so sometimes you've got to go to the transfer agent or just go to a different broker um and same for when you sell it's yeah just it's more friction there it takes longer um 
but yeah, on the plus side, along with similar to direct registration, the issue knows everything about you, how to contact you. Uh, you will also in turn have that direct line to the company as well, which is fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, dividends are all good. I'm just skim reading these last two. <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like, um, you know, outside of all of the difficulty when it comes to uh, trying to buy or sell, change your exposure, uh, there's a lot of benefits to certificated shares. And it makes me very excited to talk about the next and, uh, you know, final major section that, you know, as far as your options for holding go, direct registration, because it is. A, book entry, so it comes with all of the benefits and uh, you know frictionless engagement with the broader market that travel with that, but B, it also records you on the ledger uh, of the issuer in your own name and comes with all the benefits of that. So it, it truly is the best of both worlds in my mind when it comes to these three options, uh, provided, of course, that you... Um, are not interested in uh, the, the day trading and, and other short-term benefits of holding through a broker that we went over uh, near the beginning of the call. So beyond that, uh, medium and long-term holding, direct registration is extremely appealing, I think, from an objective perspective for investors. Absolutely. Um, it is, it's the main event for us, especially. Uh, <laughs> it's why we're here. Um it is it's fantastic it, it gives you all the benefits that a physical paper certificate does in terms of like actual ownership of the share rather than just an entitlement to the economic value of said share um it also uh i mean this applies to, to physical certificates as well it guarantees a delivery of that share um because um like as we were talking uh, with jack of spades um failures to deliver are quite a big issue and they're still going on and in a digital environment like there shouldn't be any excuse uh, for it to be continuing but it does um and then there's the whole obligations warehouse and all this all these kind of loopholes married puts and calls um but yeah with direct registration it's just i want my share you get your share it's registered to you it's withdrawn from cd and co and placed directly in your name like um like an important distinction we've learned is uh with a transfer agent account your name is your account number like that's how they assign the shares to you they don't type in your uh account number to assign the shares they type in your name like that is what they're being registered to they they it couldn't be any more literally registered in your name than that um and yeah, like you get, like I said, you get the guaranteed delivery of the shares, you get guaranteed voting rights instead of just the entitlement to uh, voting, which uh, I mean, for me uh, and a lot of non-US investors had absolutely no access to before. Uh, and um, yeah, it locks your shares away from the risk of being lent out and it's particularly lent out to people on the other side of the trade, like short sellers. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, the the best form of holding if, if you really believe in the company you're investing in um, and uh, you want to do everything you can to make sure that you get the economical value of those shares uh, and that, you you know, it returns um, 
supply and demand to the market and especially in this environment of excessive liquidity we're dealing with um but as far as uh, the sec is willing to go in terms of uh, discussing the benefits of direct registration uh they're willing to say that um as well as well since you are registered on the books of the issuer as the shareholder you will receive annual and other reports dividends proxy materials and other entitlements or communications directly from the issuer or its transfer agent um which i love like i'd much rather get my voting materials directly from the source than a proxy through a broker which then goes back through the broker and through uh, a company like broadridge which may truncate or um trim down the share the votes um in ways that you have no way of knowing um you've got to love that transparency um but yeah so another benefit is you don't have to worry about safeguarding or losing your uh, physical certificates because they're digital now uh it's the same as having money in the bank but you own the bank uh, <laughs> instead of uh, having cash and burying it in the backyard i guess um, and yeah, for, for most transfer agents, you can still place sales orders thanks to, you know, the digital environment we're in now. It's pretty seamless uh, and accessible. Um, it's uh, a lot easier than people make it out to be, especially uh, websites like Investopedia still kind of relying on quite outdated information saying, oh, it will take a while. Oh, and you might have to send a letter or do a phone call. It's like it's all online and it's you know they they may not have an app but they have a website and it's it's pretty thorough um so you can also transfer back to your broker if you so desire uh like and for free um like the a transfer agent will never charge you for transferring in or out of uh them or, or the books that they manage and uh whereas brokers do and uh, can and do often. Um, One thing that I want to pop in just mentioning about the, you know, sales facilities and options, options for sale or for buy that are available through a transfer agent. Um, I'd wanted to clarify that a transfer agent is not able to uh, go to the market and, you know, actually participate in the market directly on your behalf as an investor. So what happens instead is that um, transfer agents or in some cases issuers might have a specific partner that they're looking to work with, but that partner is going to be a, a DTC member broker who operates within the market structure. And so, you know, a, one example might be major transfer agent computer share has, you know, a key partnership with a, a broker partner like uh, Bank of America that is going to help to uh, finalize some of its trades. And that's something that can, you know, uh, investors are able to request disclosure about which uh, broker partner is being used when the market is engaged with. But the real distinctive matter here is that brokers do have to be involved whenever the uh, market is dealt with in terms of buying or selling. So regardless of whether or not you do it through your transfer agents, uh, user interface, or you go back to your preferred broker beforehand, a broker is going to be involved in that part of the process. And, uh, and the reason I wanted to clarify that is because the, the next section here is, in my mind, perhaps uh, we're coming up on perhaps the most important 
the new thing in this bulletin, which has to do with um, buying through transfer agent uh, and issuer plans. Um, so we got a, there's a few short bulletins, and then we'll be hopping into that meet. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, if um, anyone has any questions about, about plan holding structures, um, we can definitely answer some stuff at the end. Um, but maybe we'll have covered it by then because uh, we're going to get pretty deep, I think. Hopefully we've got time. Um, but yeah, this this next point was uh, one of the biggest additions in terms of clarifying things uh, in the bulletin. And it was something that was um, in the community uh, information being sought after. Like, there's been lots of discussion of, uh, like, you can have plan holdings and and book holdings or DRS holdings um, in a transfer agent. Uh, if they're both in a transfer agent, why are they different? Why are they separate? What's going on here? Um, some people say plan is di- direct registration because your name is on the ledger ledger technically um but we'll go into that more um in a bit so what it says here in the bulletin it says uh purchases made through the issuer or its issuer or its transfer agent of securities you intend to hold in drs are usually executed under the guidelines of an issuer's stock purchase plan which a broker uh, which uses a broker dealer to execute the orders thus to hold in drs once the securities are acquired uh, you would need to instruct the transfer agent to move the securities from the issuer's plan to DRS. Um, so this clarified that plan is not inside the DRS holdings um, and DRS is the form of holdings that is directly registered. Um, and uh, yeah, as, as Charles was saying, like a, a broker is involved anytime you want to buy shares. Um, I think even with uh the form of direct purchase plans which you do buy from uh an issuer directly they have a shelf of shares in reserve that they they sell directly to investors um even then you would need an executing broker in order to be able to you know broker that trade uh it's what they're there for um and uh it's an unfortunate part of the system um because uh yeah what they're attached to which is the rest of the the corrupt system that we we're trying to get away from um but um yeah there there are um a couple types of broker as well which we'll get into some more because you can have an executing broker and you can also have a non-executing broker um which is also known as like a, I think a partial DTC participant um so yeah, we'll get into that more in, in a minute when we we dive deeper into plan holding structures. Um, so moving on to the next thing, uh, it's one of the things I, ca- I kind of like about purchase plans is that um, transfer agents do not typically maintain cash accounts for investors in the way that broker dealers do, uh, simply because transfer agents, different kind of entity, they, they're not allowed to hold assets like a bank or a broker. Um and uh, so when you do uh, make a purchase through a transfer agent, they just take every, every single penny you gave them and spend every single penny of that on shares minus a few dollars uh, for, for the transfer agent fees. Um, so they're not playing with your money. They're not trying to profit from that in itself. So it's it's a way where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm paying for fees. I'm not the product, or at least I, hopefully we're not. We're still... We're still learning. I'm still. I'm trying not to be too uh, blinded by my uh, 
uh, rose tinted glasses for transfer agents because they are they're the best thing since uh, since before sliced bread. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get what I'd say is you know holding uh, in your own name on the issuer ledger is the best thing, and transfer agents happen to be contracted to provide that capacity for investors. They're the lens through which we're able to hold in our own name. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that like people say, no, my shares are at a computer share uh, when I'm directly registered. And it's um, it's not quite accurate. Computer share is just the, the little portal in which you get to view your shares in the direct registration system. Um, they like maintain and manage the ledger, but your shares are there on the ledger. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it's confusing because we like to think about a physical place <laughs> where our shares live, but it's not always like that. Um, but I'll just uh, I'll just do this last bullet point, and um, it's an interesting one uh, in the way that um, purchases are processed by transfer agents and purchase plans. Um, there tends to be a couple of days delay. This is largely because when you send cash, there is a three-day settlement time. Um, the money t- appears in your bank account immediately because uh, the bank's playing with pools of money to make it appear instant. Uh, but transfer agents go, no, 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 we're, we're waiting until your money actually arrives, then we're spending it. Um, and because of that, there is this delay, you can't quite time your order. That's kind of a letdown, but on the plus side, the silver lining to all this is that your order is batched with every other participant of the plan, um, which means that typically, you know, like when I buy, I don't buy anywhere near 100 shares at a time. I, I buy much smaller batches. Um, and when you're buying in batches of less than 100 shares, uh, they're considered uh, odd lots, which means they're not recorded on the ticker, uh, on the on the tape even, uh, and there is no impact on the price. It's kind of just gets washed away with possibly over-the-counter stuff or alternative trading platforms or internalized trading, even uh, any of these things. Um but yeah, when you get uh, lots in over 100, then they're usually executed in 100 rounded, and then the miscellaneous shares is another lot. Um, but yeah, it basically means that even though you you may not be buying 100 shares yourself, you will be with all these other people, and there's a good chance that you're going to have an impact on the price. Um, I mean, having said all that, we also, we've discussed a lot before uh, that there are so many ways for, for a price to be manipulated. Uh, I mean, there's even outside of options and derivatives and everything like that, there's um, uh, where people just spoof orders uh, to kind of shift the price up and down uh, and then cancel their orders before they process. So it's, there are so many ways to, to play with the price. If, if you're in a privileged enough position um, to be able to make big moves like that. So it's a mixed very, bag. True. very true, but it is definitely worth noting that one of the only ways that a regular retail investor acting individually can be reasonably confident that they are, you know, having a making a purchase which is going to affect, um, you know, price uh, and actually see price action through that through that is to participate in a batch purchase along with uh, the transfer agent. Uh, that's definitely. Um, I mean, that comes to mind for me, if that's something that's important to you as an investor, 
uh, one of the only ways to do it. So that's definitely an important thing to highlight here. Uh, on the other hand, a batch purchase is going to, again, you know, impact that price upwards. So the $300 that you put in, if the price goes up a couple of cents, maybe you end up getting you know, one share less or some fraction of a share less. So there are other arguments to uh, intentionally do plan purchases or broker purchases at staggered, unpredictable times. Ultimately, this is another uh, option for investors to decide what's important to them and engage in the market the way they want to. Uh, I was just putting a, another link up um, that I meant to do a minute ago. Um, it is a link to a specific part of the computer share FAQ stating the same thing that the SEC bulletin was about how if you want to have DRS shares and you're buying through the issuer plan, then you want to transfer from the plan into DRS. Um, so the transfer agent's been telling us the whole time, but in a slightly different language. Um, I'll go ahead and read out that exact quote just so that we can uh, sort of back up here. Um, maybe I'll take a moment and, and read that. Uh, so the computer share, that is the, by the way, for those unaware, that's the largest transfer agent uh, on earth in terms of market share. And they provide TA services for issuers in many different countries, not just America. But what they say in specifically their U.S. FAQ, so this is for U.S. investors, uh, they state shares, uh, sorry, an investor can at any time withdraw all or part of their shares in DSPP book entry form, and that DSPP, that's direct stock purchase plan, and have them added to their DRS holding, you know, for example, after a DSPP purchase settles without a fee. So and Bibic had mentioned that briefly earlier, you know, that you can switch your shares uh, to and from the plan to DRS holdings at your convenience. Um, and that's really reiterated here about the distinction between these two uh, holding buckets that the transfer agent is maintaining. Um, we are going to get to the Fender Bulletin as well, although not spend as much time on it. A lot of it is the same recycled information that the SEC provided. But I do want to just share one brief quote as well from them uh, on this same topic uh, that I find very important to mention. Uh, the FINRA says in theirs, purchases made through the issuer or its transfer agent of securities you intend to hold in direct registration are usually executed under the guidance of the issuer's stock purchase plan. You'll need to instruct the transfer agent to move the securities to the DRS, end quote. So, and they're saying the same thing as well. And so for FINRA, for folks that don't know that, they're a self-regulating organization that essentially is like the, uh, um, all the brokers getting together and, you know, they're, they're representing their, themselves when it comes to uh, how they're going to handle responsibly the markets and, uh, and operate for investors. So here we have the regulatory agency, the self-regulating agency, agency, and the transfer agents all on the same page regarding this important distinction between uh, plan ownership and DRS. Absolutely. So, yeah, there, there are definitely some good things in these bulletins. Um, it's, uh, yeah, been one of the best reads I've ever had on, on an SEC website or page. Like, oftentimes it's like, oh, God, it's so, it's so heavy and uh, 
like I have to do it in shifts or before my eyes start going cross or going cross-eyed. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's something else I want to, I want to give a little shout out to, um, which is in the frequently asked questions. Um, it's in the second question. If I buy securities through a broker dealer and decide I want to hold my securities in DRS, what do I need to do? Um, there's this third bullet point, which I love because it's something that working on all the broker guides, uh, we've kind of been suggesting people to do, uh, which is just find, find any route you can to DRS. Um, so the third bullet point says, if you currently hold your security in street name, instruct your broker dealer to move your security position to the issuer for direct registration. And then in brackets, it says, not all broker dealers have access to DRS, in which case you can ask the broker dealer to transfer your shares to another broker dealer, which does have access to DRS transfers. Keep in mind, the first broker dealer may charge a fee for the transfer. Um, but yeah, they're, they're saying, you know, if, if your broker can't do it, go elsewhere. There, there will be another broker that can do it. So um, it's just nice to see that they're actually offering that further uh, kind of guidance for people who, who go to their broker. And like, as many of us found, uh, the broker just is like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. We can't do that. We're never going to do that. Um, Sometimes we got lucky and we managed to convince them to give it a go, and now it's a service they offer. But most of the time, they yeah, they'd rather not get rid of your shares or you know your money. They want to keep it for themselves, as as is their business model. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm just kind of very pleased to see the the SEC actually go that extra step because they didn't re- they didn't have to. I don't think. Um, yeah, a lot of the new language uh, is really canted, in my perspective, towards recognizing that the investing public has a new interest in this old tool. You know, DRS has been around for many years, but it has not really entered the public consciousness until quite recently. And the SEC clearly is, to some degree, aware of that uh, because they are providing this more detailed breakdown of not only the pros and cons of these different systems, but also well, these FAQs are, are great and providing the information that investors need to know to get from, well, if A is where they are and B is in their own name, here are several different options to do it. And shout out to the SEC also mentioning uh, uh, DWAC, DePaul and Withdrawal at Custodian. That's sort of a DRS uh, alternative that we're going to have a future episode on down the line. They only mention it briefly here. Um, it's a less supported, but worth going over. And we'll be excited to dig in on a future episode. Yeah, it seems uh, like DWAC is uh, is a bit more archaic, but still doable. And in, in some cases where it's not possible to DRS transfer a share, it is possible to DWAC transfer a share. The way they end up in direct registration Um but yeah, it's, it's something we'll definitely be coming back to. Um, and speaking of coming back to things, uh, I'm seeing we're, we've got about 10 minutes left. So I think we're going to dive into plan holding structures another time. Um, and we will get in deep. We've got sources and citations. Um, maybe my, my links of ownership uh, graph will be in a better state as well. So we can throw that in uh, as a helpful tool. 
Um, but yeah, oh, we'll just cover this. Uh, there's one, the, the final frequently asked question I want to go into, and then at the very bottom of this bulletin, uh, it's a it's a funny little follow up from the last uh, question. Uh, it goes into crypto, um, and uh, seeing seeing these two things next to each other is just quite funny. But um, uh, if anyone did have any questions, just throw up your hand now, and we'll, we'll try and get to that at the end. Um, but uh, if not, then we'll, we'll crack on with these last two bits. So there is um, the the question is how are my securities protected if I choose street ownership? Um, and the answer goes into the SIPC insurance, Securities Investor Protection Corporation insurance. Um, they. Uh, they offer up to um, half a million dollars per customer, uh, including a 250,000 limit for cash claims. Uh, but it's kind of important to note that um, the SIPC has a lot of clauses, like most insurance companies do, uh, where they don't have to pay out. And um, in the case that we're, we're all concerned about, um, where brokers are taking your money and uh, not delivering the shares they're, they're saying they are um, sort of like a Ponzi scheme. The SIPC will be like, no, this is a Ponzi scheme. We're not, we're not paying you insurance for it. Um, and also it's worth noting that say, if uh, you own a stock that goes up a lot in price, you're not covered for the high price uh, that that stock is worth. You're covered for the entrance price you pay for. Um, it's, it's, very much not weighted in the investor's favour, the SIPC insurance. Um, and it doesn't make note of any of this in the answer, obviously. it's It seems to just be like, yeah, yeah don't worry, don't worry, SIPC's got you. Um, and then we move on from all this risk into considerations for crypto assets held by unregistered intermediaries. Uh, and you just know that this was in direct response to FTX. Um and I have to say, I mean, I think this feels like just a nod from the SEC saying like, yeah, the way that these uh, centralized exchanges were run was not cool. And uh, anyone that's running an exchange or, or a brokerage like this would, should not be doing it like this. So um, the the parallels between yeah the, the brokerage issues we're concerned about and what they're uh, projecting onto uh, crypto assets uh, being held by unregistered intermediaries um, seems to line up pretty closely. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, it also it does bring up that you could have your own wallet uh, and um, have self-custody, and that's definitely safer than leaving your assets with an uh, unregistered intermediary. Um, but yeah, I just think it's fascinating that they, they decide to even include crypto in a, in a bulletin about holding securities, um, which the SEC really currently only deals with uh, stocks and shares and stuff. Um, but I know that's kind of the boundaries are bleeding now with um, crypto. So this could be a little step towards that. Um, it could be something worth keeping an eye on. Reminds me of something I saw the other day where uh... – I think Peruvian Bull, an, an earlier guest we had, uh, tweeted something like, you know, DRS your crypto, control your private key, which is uh, just such a funny, you know, all, absolutely accurate, but somehow backwards sort of framing where, you know, crypto's 
it sort of opened the floodgates, people realizing what ownership was. And DRS is like, well, I've been here for years, finally getting some respect. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the, the like DRS your crypto, it's um, almost you don't need DRS in there because crypto is inherently about self custody, uh, at least outside of the centralized exchanges. But uh, yeah, there were some interesting replies to that, uh, the comparisons between uh, self-custody and crypto and DRS, because um, crypto goes, or um, self-custodial wallets go one step further than than direct registration can, where you are the only uh, entity that can technically access that asset, um, because even with direct registration computer share still kind of involved because they they help manage that portal in um but they want you to set your beneficiaries you know what if something happens to you crypto is not uh is not quite like that at all so absolutely there's another yet another step of um you know sole direct ownership when it comes to the blockchain not to mention the additional transparency but that uh, you know, that's a subject for another day as well. We have some TAs like Equinity uh, delving into blockchain and seeing how it can impact their business. Uh, and personally, I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, it's going to really shake things up if if things get moved to a distributed ledger technology or, or any kind of crypto technology. Like, uh, as, as all this blockchain stuff seems to be trying to do is remove middlemen, unnecessary middlemen. Um, and uh, as much as we love transfer agents, uh, because they are the bastion of direct registration, it's you know the best we can get in the current environment. Um, a blockchain alternative is so appealing um, because, yeah, like you say, the transparency is much higher. It creates much more accountability. Um, if you know anyone can audit the paper trail, then you're going to get much better auditing than than the stuff that's done behind locked doors. Um, like I think <laughs> I, I almost certainly brought this up on previous episodes about how the big auditing firms, the, the big four, uh, EY and PwC and all the others, uh, I, I can never remember all their names, but, uh, they, well, very much used to probably still do, uh, just use boilerplate, um, templates for all of their audits and give everyone a big thumbs up without even really taking anything to, into consideration. Um, so it's uh, the accountability will, will be um, by powers of magnitude better than, than what we're uh, dealing with now. But as we keep saying, or as I keep saying, DRS is the best we can get right now. And not only that, like if, if things do get transferred to a distributed ledger or, you know, blockchain technology, directly registered shareholders are going to be the first in line. Uh, they're going to be the only people who can legally prove that they own those shares. Anyone in a broker is going to be left, uh, likely left in the dust or get a fraction of what they are entitled to um, because there are, those entitlements are also probably several other people's entitlements for the same broker. Um, so, yeah, that's... <laughs> At the very least, I know I'm, I've got the priority pass. I'm first in line for anything like that. Yeah, there's so much to cover. Absolutely. And I certainly love talking about it. 
No, I, I definitely wanted to. I know Bibbic mentioned before. Um, is was there anyone that did want to uh, step up and had anything they wanted to add on to, or wanted to make sure we we discussed uh, before we cap for today and, and carry on next week with uh, more breakdown into the plant possible plant structure that transfer agents and uh, central depositories use. I don't see any raised hands. No, I think, yeah, we've covered a lot. I think there's going to be a lot more questions when it comes to the plan holdings because um, there's a lot of layers to it that we've been arranging for, for well, I, I think over a year now uh, we've been figuring this out uh, because it's gleaming things from all sorts of primary sources uh, and piecing things together, learning the, like, the different languages that the SEC uses and the transfer agents use. Um, because they have different words for the same thing, like all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can lay things out really clearly with the plan uh, holding structures um, and how they work and why they have to work that way. Because uh, the more we've looked into it, I don't see a better way of doing it. Um, and I like uh, I have a lot of good things to say about plan uh, as much as, um, you know, it's not what everyone wants. Uh it's it's still so much better than a broker <laughs> like in terms of uh the way it's operated and the fact that your your shares are actually delivered and the batch orders and all that but at the end of the day i i i still use both i use my most recent order with a broker but before that i was using purchase plans uh and i intend to use purchase plans still um it's it's just down to individual preference i think and if we can have all the facts, then it's so much easier to make those decisions. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can, we can clear things up uh, with some people and uh, uh, reaffirm what other people have been saying. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, well, I think it's going to be a good one. It might get a bit spicy uh, and it might get a bit confusing, but hopefully <laughs> Hopefully people can come up and ask questions where where I've yeah, where things have gotten too confusing. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's one where, you know, compared to the extremely clear uh, language just clarifying that a difference exists here that we have from the regulatory bodies and from the major players in this in the industry space, next week is going to be a bit more um going into more esoteric, more fringe or niche sources and pulling out phrases from that. Definitely going to be, uh, you know, spicy is one word for it. Uh, nebulous is another word. Folks will have to tune in to find out. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more source and citation links next week than this one. This was a nice and easy one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, th- thanks, Bibic, for the breakdown. I think we we covered a lot of ground here. Uh, Please check out the SEC Bulletin for yourself. It's very readable, uh, surprisingly, uh, from them. And uh, we'll take some more stocks next Wednesday. Sounds great. Catch you all next week.